We're very excited to be partnered with Naira for the rest of 2023, featuring Saturday racing coverage each week on the Players Pod, as well as daily write-ups and analysis at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. You can actually find our stuff also through the Naira site under the Picks, Plays, and Promotions page. Lastly, make sure you do not miss America's Day at the Races coverage across the Fox family of networks. For a full schedule, go to InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash TV. We're also working with Horseshoe Indianapolis this year and very pleased to report that Horseshoe Indy listened to its customers and has removed the pick six jackpot from the wagering menu and now replaced that with a second pick five. The first five thoroughbred races have a pick five, as will the last, the late fire five. There are separate pools, those two, and they have separate carryovers and they both have industry low takeout, 11.99%. Lots of great stuff with low takeout, worth paying attention to. Horseshoe Indy also going to be hosting two NHC qualifiers on July 7th and July 8th. Coming right up, live money contests. Two will advance from the Friday session, four from Saturday, which is Indiana Derby Day. Uh, There's also going to be a contest December 2nd with uh, folks advancing to the NHC finals at Horseshoe in Las Vegas. NHC this year, March 15th. Next year, I should say. Full rules and details for those contests will be available soon. Hello and welcome to the In The Money Players podcast. This is our show for Tuesday, June 27th. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you very far from the Brooklyn Bunker. I'm in Glasgow, up in Scotland. Made it up here yesterday, uh, eventfully. Had a train canceled halfway here. There were Ubers, there were queues, there were more trains. Made it uh, in time to watch a race we're going to talk about in, uh, in just a minute. But the main purpose of this show, we're going to call it sort of an international review, looking back at uh, at Ascot, maybe even talking a little bit about Japan and some races that might just have Breeders' Cup implications down the line. Joining me today will be a guest you've heard uh, frequently enough on these airwaves over the course of the last few months, and hopefully that trend will be continuing. My colleague from uh, Sky Sports, and she does many other things as well, including here at In The Money Media, she's Vanessa Ryle. Vanessa, what's going on? Hello, hello, Peter. Um, What is going on? Good question. I am still in the recovery position, very much in the post-Royal Ascot recovery stage. And I had to go to Southall, or otherwise known as Southwell, yesterday for Sky Sports Racing, which, as I'm sure you can imagine, was not high on my hit list the Monday after Royal Ascot, but needs must and all of that for a national hunt card. Got through that. There's no getting away from the fact I was not firing on all cylinders. And I'm delighted to be at home today talking to my friend PTF, and talking all things Royal Ascot again, just basking in the glory that was the Royal Week. I loved it. Was, it. it was an amazing week. And we'll get there. But I do have to ask, what is the official answer to that question? Because I feel like people, I've had people look at me funny for both pronunciations. I think I've landed on Southall and just rolling with it. But I've had people confidently tell me that Southwell is actually the better pronunciation. What What do you say on TV and what? where, where do you well, stand on the question? <laughs> well, hilariously, so Simon Mapletoft is a presenter over here who spends a lot of time at Southall. I call it Southall. He's always called it Southwell and he's much more local and he would know. I think basically locals call it Southwell, but I find that Southall flows better I call it Southall, but yesterday when I did my closer, I my cameraman was in stitches because I started by calling it Southall, and then <laughs> in my final line, I gave it a Southwell just to tick every box, and he was like, did you do that on purpose? I was like, yep, then no one can shout at me. So there we go. Ever the pro, ever the pro. I'm glad you're as confused as I am about this. It makes me, It makes me feel better, I got to admit. We're going to get to Royal Ascot, but we got to start off with another track in upstate New York, very romantic in wine country. Uh-huh. We're going to call it Royal Finger Lakes, where there was <laughs> stakes action on Monday night. I know you've seen the replay I watched from a, a really cool whiskey bar 
up here in Glasgow, of which there are several, of course, checking out some of the uh, the younger, the 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 craftier um, Scotch malt distilleries. And we had the whole place rooting along to watch Looms boldly make his move and hang on very gamely, more than hang on, power away, really, in the stretch. Um, well, come on now, this horse, I mean, he's he's got to become, forget all these international stories, what about the horse of this, uh, what about the story of this 10-strike uh, homebred named after me? I mean, isn't that one of the great racing stories in the world right now? <laughs> great racing stories of the week, for sure, for sure. I actually obviously had no idea your horse was running until you showed me the replay uh, just about you sent the link about 10 minutes ago. And look, very impressive. How exciting. And I want to know what the future plan is, but I don't think you even know yourself, do you? No, it's tricky because up to this point of the year, everything has made a lot of sense because you know from what we've seen of his races he's a sprinter and the program now really branches off for the new york breads where the races are going farther and yeah he doesn't act like he wants any farther just from the tape i've seen now you know i haven't talked to the trainer or anything but uh, i'm pretty sure i'm right about that so that would mean maybe going and applying his trade in open company i'm curious to see how the how the figures will uh, you know make him fit in those kind of spots we're gonna i'm just as i've done this entire time i'm waiting and seeing i mean that's the great thing about having people in your corner like brad cox and the 10 strike team they know what they're doing so they just tell me when to show up and root and then unfortunately well not unfortunately it's always more fun to be there i was there for the for the maiden victory but schedules have made me not be there for for the last several races but apparently this formula is working so we may just keep it this way if that makes sense yeah, I mean, absolutely. You've got a great team around you. So onwards and upwards. And it's it's so cool, isn't it? It's so cool it's, to have something so involved and to follow. It's great. And, you know, I'll thank for the 86th time and there'll be 97 more thanks along the way. Clay Sanders and Marshall Graham. What an honor. You know, this is their, uh, their, their terrific mayor who's uh, who's had multiple winners and for, for them to to take for them to name this one after me that they had a feeling was going to be pretty good is really really nice stuff and it's just been an enjoyable ride that will continue so we'll get more on more on what we call the big around here the big horse as uh, as time goes on but now we will turn our attention to ask it we're not going to do the full deep dive preview there or review there there's plenty of those out there i really wanted to check out some high points in terms of um, your favorite moments of the week, and especially with an eye towards horses, we think we might see eventually on on these shores. And I think we can just, you know, we'll, we'll, we can start at the beginning as far as that goes with the very first race of the of the meeting, the Queen Anne, where uh, Modern Games did not put in his uh, his A race, as it were. What did what did you put this down to? Is is this a horse who maybe isn't as good as uh, as as he was? towards the end of last season or, or is, do you think he's going to get the, uh, think he's going to get back on track and, and maybe make a lot of noise over on these shores before the season's over? Oh, he'll be back on track for sure. Obviously he went on to seven to four favorite on Tuesday and everyone expect he's like what everyone knows about modern games is he's such a consistent horse. You know, he's just always been a really consistent individual. And this was definitely a dip for him, which is just so rare. Like you just don't get that with modern games. Um, obviously he's a two-time Breeders' Cup winner and this was a win in your own race for the Breeders' Cup and you'd be very much expecting for him to come back for the FanDuel Mile on the turf uh, in November whether he won or lost this. Now, obviously it didn't go to plan for him but I'm definitely not writing him off yet. He'll show up to every party from now until then as long as everything's all right with him which I haven't heard otherwise and I'd very much expect him to be on the plane to the Breeders' Cup obviously that he hasn't won and so he's not in in that sense but that won't stop this operation mm -hmm. should just be noted that the charlie appleby team you know not firing on all cylinders didn't have a winner all week uh have had a slow start to the season i'm not sure what's going on with their yard doesn't seem to be any complete answer but the boys in blue are definitely not having a vintage year um, as a result, is he part of the gang of horses that aren't running up to scratch? Maybe. I mean, look, don't be wrong. He's having winners, but he's just not having the winners that you would expect and at the highest level. Um, this was definitely a, a lesser performance from modern games, but I'm not in any way discounting him for future grade or group one mile races for the rest of this year. He's just such a solid operator. 
Um, so that's him, but we should focus in on the winner, Triple Time. Obviously, yes. won a huge prize, 33 to 1, for the Kevin Ryan yard based up in Yorkshire. This horse, they had so much faith in this horse. When he won at, I think it was Haydock last year, it must have been Haydock at the back end of last year. Um, yeah, that's right. He. They, I remember them speaking after the race. They were just so enthused by him. And I know Kevin Ryan. Kevin is not a guy to get overexcited in any sense. And the passion they had for this horse and the belief in his ability was sort of really noteworthy. And this was just, you know, this was far from a top-class race when he won at Haydock. Anyway, he went to France. He disappointed. But, you know, you can always write a line through that. He's then had the rest of the time off since last autumn and he comes back for a seasonal reappearance in a Group 1 race against proper Group 1 milers in Modern Games and in Spiral. And he beats the both of them. And he does it in really good fashion. He jumped out of stall 11. He It's a serious training performance. He travelled so well. I mean, when he was briefly ridden a couple of furlongs out, like the, if you watch it back, it's never really in doubt, I didn't think, actually. He's just really game at the finish. And I was really impressed. As I say, it's a win and you're in race for the Breeders' Cup mile. Um, Kevin Ryan has had runners over at the Breeders' Cup in the past. We know that that's something that he might be up for. I just I think that that could be an option for this horse, which would be really exciting. Now, the one question mark might be, well, there's, there'll be loads of question marks between now and November if he was going to be aimed at the Breeders' Cup. But one of them may well be that the one time he has disappointed in his career was when he travelled, and now he only travelled to France. There could be loads of reasons for the disappointment that day, including the fact that he was asked to go on pretty soft ground. Yeah. But he has he's won on a variety of grounds, so that's sort of questionable anyway. And, you know, you just sort of, the travel, he's obviously a talented but fragile horse. Would a trip to America be right up his street? I hope it will be, but, you know, it that would be a question mark for me. I get it. But I was thinking, yeah, that the, the coming off a, a big effort on soft ground last year, I feel like you can excuse the, the France run. And there was moisture in the turf for sure on opening day. Maybe one of the things that, that scuttled the chances of, of modern games. Uh, but the fact that the season for triple time is starting so late, that's another thing that makes it feel like an added engagement at the end of the summer. I feel like a lot of the horses that they decide to to put away, they've started very early. I don't know. I'd love to see it. That would be great to get that kind of international participation. Any of these others from from the Queen Anne, who you would make a guess might be uh, heading towards the USA before the season's over? Anything in particular stand out in that regard? Not really, to be honest with you. Obviously, in Spiral, incredibly talented. And I think if Frankie could have his time again, there may well be a different result in that race. Um he, you know, asked a lot from Inspiral, but she, again, has not been, you know, she's one of those fillies that they need her absolutely right, bang on the money, like really bang on the money to um, to run her. And she takes a while to come in her coach. She takes a while at home with her training. And then when she's right, she's really right for the day. And I don't know, again, if... You know, I always like in my mind, you have to have such a solid horse to come over to the Breeders' Cup. And would you want to be bringing a horse like her over if she has question marks about whether she's going to fire on all cylinders? You know, given the circumstances, I think that would be a worry with her. Other than that, I wouldn't really know. Um, I wouldn't have a view on the rest of them in terms of a Breeders' Cup bid. But it was a, it was a fascinating race and one you could watch back and make so many cases for various horses. Um, but you know, it's delighted for Kevin Ryan. Let's zip ahead to the King's Stand. More Breeders' Cup win, and you're in action. Brad Sell getting the job done under Holly Doyle. This was a this was a fun winner to cheer in. Though, of course, I was hoping for Highfield Princess, as we know uh, we know a lot about that story, and obviously the Breeders' Cup tie in there. What were your thoughts on uh, what were your thoughts on this one? And what are we hearing? Do we think the Highfield Princess team is is targeting the Breeders' Cup this year again? I'm not sure about the Breeders' Cup. There's been talk with her about 
sort of trying to repeat the group one treble she managed to do at the back end of last season. So that started in Deauville. Uh, she went there in the August and she won the Primaris de Geest over the six and a half. She then went to York and she won the Nunthorpe, another group one, dropping back to the five. And then she tripped over to the Curra and she won the Dubai Flying Five over there, um, back over the five furlongs as well. That was her remarkable group one uh, treble at the back end, sort of in the autumn of last year, which just took us all by storm. Like, who does that? You know, three different countries, three different ground conditions, three different tracks, three different horses beat into second every time. Like, just in- incredible, absolutely incredible for her. She then went to Keeneland and obviously was beaten by Caravel that day. Um, she still ran a brilliant race. Like, I don't think anybody was in any way... Uh, like throwing stones at her for that run and on top of that you know she'd done what I've just spoken about just a month previous or a month and a half previous so she's such a solid horse she made a really solid comeback this year at York and then we were all excited about watching her run in the King stand and potentially in the Diamond Jubilee that happened and bless her you know she's finished second and third in both beat the length and a bit um she's just like such a solid operator she's gone off favorite each time you know, you need everything to fall right for you in these sprints. And maybe just a couple of things didn't in both races. But like, I mean, what a horse, you know, to be able to be turned out like that so quickly, run in those two sprints, give that yard so, so like so much to cheer about, you know, to be placed in group one sprints at the top and tail of both of the Royal Ascot meeting is incredible. But of course, she did finish second to Brad Sell and we mustn't ignore him. He is an incredible horse, given the fact that, he is clearly not straightforward. I'd say they've definitely had their issues with him in the past. Um, he's had long breaks in various... Well, he's had a long break at one point of his career. Um, since they've dropped him back to sprinting trips, that seems to have been the like the five furlongs. This seemed to really suit him. And I think they'll keep him at the five furlongs now. Um, he's a serious horse to contend with. You know, he'll run in that. I would have thought he'll run in the big sprints this summer over here for us. We know that Holly Doyle and Archie Watson have brought horses over to the Breeders' Cup in the past, so it will be on their agenda for this team as well, for the ownership group. Will they want to take up that offer? It's it's definitely possible. And, you know, you've won and you're in. That's the whole right. point of the of the system, isn't it? So... I mean, if they have him right, why would they not roll the dice? Great to see. You know, we love, we love that uh, international participation, and especially from some folks who, well, we've seen at the Breeders' Cup, haven't necessarily seen as often as some others. It'll be be interesting to see where they go from here uh, in, in terms of Bradsell. Let's take a quick break, Vanessa, and we'll come back. We'll talk about uh, more when and you're in action from Royal Ascot and maybe even take a quick look over to Japan before we wrap things up. We'll be back right after this. Don't miss the action this summer from our friends at Monmouth Park. We're not that far from the Haskell Invitational. That's coming up at the end of July, and there's going to be a contest folks want to get involved with. You can qualify over at horsetourneys.com for that one. Live racing uh, coming up Friday through Sunday for the summer, and then uh, Saturday, Sunday, once we hit late August. We're going to be covering Plenty of Monmouth. You can get all your info here and you can get daily coverage from Eric Solomon. Does a fantastic job. To learn more, check out inthemoneypodcast.com or monmouth.com. Woodbine coverage also continuing apace. Great racing north of the border. Bunch of stakes races this weekend. Graded stakes all summer. King's Plate coming up in August. Woodbine Mile in September. Two days definitely worth traveling for if you can get up to see our friends in Toronto. For more information, go to woodbine.com. PTF and Vanessa Ryle continuing our international review of uh, last week's action from Ascot and elsewhere. Wednesday started off with a bang, Vanessa. This was, for me, one of the most fun races I feel like I've been to ever, given the connection between uh, In the Money Media and the Black Type Thoroughbreds team and Maddie Matt Miller and Jake Ballas being uh, terrific friends, of course. Crimson Advocate, who had won the win in your in race for Ascot from uh, Gulfstream, ends up coming over mm-hmm. here and uh, serving up a, uh, an, an impressive run, just hanging on in the end. From a, from a UK perspective, what did this win look like? 
Oh, well, look, Ascot is at, like what really makes Ascot is the international runners, where wherever they come from. Obviously, America and Australia predominantly, but also, of course, the French when they bring horses over, etc. Like it really adds to the feel that Ascot is bigger than just our little British event, you know, mm-hmm. that people want to come here and win at Royal Ascot and it means that much to them. That really adds for me to the atmosphere, the importance, the like heritage, everything about Royal Ascot. And so I love to see an international winner. And I mean that genuinely and Crimson Advocate coming over, as you say, having won the sort of win and you're in race, like vice versa, almost America to the UK. It's just great for the George Weaver team. Apparently, George was like ridiculously confident about this horse. I mean, he did go off nine to one, so it seems mad thing to say about a horse that went off at nine to one. But everyone um, beforehand, afterwards, was saying, "Oh, like when you inter- I heard I was talking to somebody who had interviewed him, I think, and they said that like he never speaks like this about his horses, but he was just kind of like, yeah, you know, I think I think we'll win that. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and there he goes. He goes and wins it. And um, no, absolutely brilliant. Definitely. Look, I was all about Beautiful Diamonds, who's Carl Burke's horse. She's run a really good race in that race. Um, but just the way in which Crimson Advocate went through the gears. And yeah, I mean, look, of course, she only, she was hanging on to William Haggis's horse in the closing stages. But she'd already done all the hard work. She'd done the hard yards to get there. Um yeah, look, very impressive performance out of draw 28 as well. Those high draws in that race to the four massively. And it's just, yeah, I just can't tell you how much I love seeing the internationals at Royal Ascot and for them to get in the winner's enclosure uh, quite early on in the card and early, obviously, the first race on day two really just lifted the atmosphere. It's just like, yes, this is what it's all about. And imagine going home with the Royal Ascot winner and beating our lot. It just must, the sense of satisfaction, huge. I don't think they've come back down to earth yet, honestly. To me, the the, one of the heroes, really, John Velasquez just did an unbelievable job here because she actually didn't break that great. And he got her, he still was able to coax that speed and get her into the right position and have enough to hang on that furious uh, rally from Relief Rally who must feel a bit hard done. I mean, boy, an extra inch, and I think they get it. But as you said, can't take anything away from Crimson Advocate, who uh, who who did so much work early and still had enough to, to hang on on that slight uphill finish there. You know we're going to be seeing more of her. I don't know what the exact plans are. I've had some some friends um, lobby to, to, to that th- th- this is one who could think about the Nunthorpe um, – come this summer. I have a feeling they will end up staying uh, domestically, but that's an interesting, interesting idea, given the, the heaps of weight that the, the two-year-olds get in there. We'll see what they decide to do with that one. Let's talk some more about uh, action from Wednesday. Any other, uh, what, what other standout results for, for you on that day? Well, of course, the big race on the Wednesday was the Prince of Wales' stakes, which everyone you know, was really looking forward to. We had this clash between Luxembourg, Bay Bridge, Adear, My Prospero, all these horses who brought in such a similar level of form and such similar ratings. They rated hundred rated within literally one of each other, one two two, one two one, and one two three. Those four horses, and so we were just so excited to see it. We got proper fast racing ground. Like this was going to be it. And then meanwhile, Mostadaf just comes and absolutely blows them out in the water. The older horse, a five-year-old in here, a horse that, I don't know, like I, I somehow just, I don't really understand how we underestimated him quite as much as we had. But honestly, he just wasn't in the discussions. He just like wasn't in the talks beforehand. We were talking about all those four horses I've just discussed. I think probably because he has this international profile, you know, we'd seen him out in Maidan. We'd seen him in Saudi. He was so impressive in Saudi, but then obviously he got smashed by Equinox, who I think we're going to touch on at the end of the show when we saw him in Maidan. But, you know, that's no mean feat. Like, Jesus, it's Equinox, for God's sakes. But I suppose, like, we're all just so into recency bias and we just, I don't know, somehow written a line off through him. And then he comes here. He's had the break since his international travels in the spring. And boom, 
in he goes. And he lands at 10 to 1 as well. And he was much bigger price in the days leading up to it. Like a much bigger price. He went off 10 to 1 on the day. And he was naughty beforehand in the paddock. Like he yes. wouldn't have been the paddock pick. That's what a lot of people were talking about. Um, and yet that didn't stop him at all. He's got this incredible record off a break on good ground. I think when you've seen him off a break on good ground, or, or just off a break full stop, his his record literally is one, 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 one off anything more than about a 50-day break. So he obviously goes well fresh. He goes well on the good ground. And yeah, I mean, look, I don't, I, I, it's a weird one. It's like I have very little to say about it because he's really surprised me. I mean, lots of people are saying when you go back to that run in Saudi that, you know, that was so impressive. Why, why do we not have that more in our minds? And I don't know what the answer is, to be honest. It's just recency bias and that we were so focused in on the four horses above him in the market that he went kind of, undiscussed and now he's sprung this massive surprise i have to give credit where credit is due here i was hanging out with michelle Yu on the day who was in saudi and is a big mostada fan and was was seeking a little bit of help in getting a wager down which i was able to provide and someone who'd been in the paddock overheard our conversation and said well you think think twice about this he was very we'll say studdish in the paddock he was getting very excited uh, and uh, Michelle, upon hearing that, rather than be put off, said, bet more. So I, I think she was just kidding <laughs> about that being a positive yeah. angle. Usually when they're that distracted, it doesn't help. But in this case, it led to a drift in the price right before the off. And uh, Michelle got away with uh, uh, making a, some very serious money on a small bet. So, uh, so credit, credit to her on that. Amazing. One. Love to hear it. I love that sort of thing. It was amazing seeing so many Americans come over on the, you know, not it's not the on the media side now. I guess everybody wants a trip to to Royal Ascot, but also the coverage has increased so much. We, we had a lot of people working working hard and run, running around there. You meet any you meet any new Americans on on this trip? Did I meet any new Americans? I don't know about new Americans, but I definitely noticed how many more Americans were around. Just like, you know, the TVG coverage has been really up. The NBC coverage seems to have been really up. And, you know, those are two full teams of people working. Um, definitely more Americans and love to see it. It's just great. It's great that Ascot continues to be the place that everyone wants to be the middle week in June. That's what I love about it. It's like, it's exhausting and it's a long week when you're working it and it's five days, but like I, you know, you wouldn't pay me to be anywhere else. Like it's just, it's where everyone wants to be. It's where, and that's not just in our country. It's just, it's across the world as well. And as I say, it's not just in trainers and jockeys and horses. It's people in the media, race goers, fans, everyone wants to be at Royal Ascot. And I love that. I love that we have that, you know? It's terrific. The final win and you're in race was the Norfolk Stakes, which kicked things off on Thursday. And uh, Valiant Force getting the job done here at a wild price. But I'll tell you what, if folks were reading Stephen Bonnick's analysis, uh, he did USA-style closer looks, essentially like little spotlight write-ups for every horse that ran at the meeting, and he did amazing work. No, none more impressive than giving Valiant Force a good shout as one that could go well at a price. Gets the job done. For many, the story of this race will be uh, one who disappointed American Rascal, who I was among the those uh, leading the hype train on this one. Uh, very disappointing result there. How shocking was the Valiant Force win for you? And what do you think about this race, generally speaking, Vanessa? Well, very, very, very shocking at 150 to one and beating a 66 to one shot as well. Yes, wasn't just the first fair. horse, it's the second horse too. Uh, absolutely wild, um, very unexpected, couldn't have had him. Obviously, Ammo, the ownership group, had a runner um, in Thunder Blue who was more fancied and that horse was back in fifth spot, I think it was. Um, Valiant Force, you know, yeah, look, he's 100. They, they, you don't go off 150 to 1 at Royal Ascot just for the fun of it. Like, he was that price for a reason. On what he'd done beforehand, he'd been beaten by Give Me the Beat Boys and he'd been beaten on his debut as well. Now, he was obviously highly tried. They threw him into a listed race when he first ran. So, 
they obviously he's clearly a horse with ability there's no getting away from that he's a profile he comes from a place that they'll have known that he had some ability um but you know he's running against a load of horses in here who have won races who have proven themselves and had, was bringing in a decent level of form and he goes off 150 to one and wins and it's pretty, yeah, like, I, it, it was a shock, trust me. I was like, oh, my God, that is a huge price beating another huge price. You know, for 66 to one shot and Malka, the one that who finished second, you'd be like, Jesus, that that that's a big surprise. But 150 to one, wowie, wowie indeed. And in terms of those that disappointed him behind, well, obviously, American Rascal was the major disappointment. But for me, elite status, you know, I kind of thought, is he, I wanted him to be better than that. Um, he finished in third. It was a solid and good run. Um, and he didn't have a perfect spin through either. So, you know, I think he remains an incredibly talented individual and one that beforehand I was talking about if he was to win this race, the win and you're in option. You know, Carl Burke is really on the, like, let's get back to the Breeders' Cup. He really loved his time out there last year. He obviously had a good time of it with the filly what dramatized you know he yep. finished second um she didn't run her race at rural ascot actually but i know that they're like still targeting her for the breeders cup later in the year and elite status could be another one to join her on the plane i wouldn't be surprised about that the one thing i would say is speaking to connections the night before this race they were just saying that like he's definitely gone through a bit of a growth spurt at just the wrong time probably um, you know, two-year-olds are still developing and growing and they definitely noticed he'd sort of gone up behind just at the wrong time. They, they, you know, I'm sure they didn't think that was going to affect him too much, but it just shows how much more there is going to be to come from him physically. So I think given all of that, given how the race panned out, given that he got a bump, I think, you know, he's run a really good effort in third. He'd be one that I would be hopeful might be a Breeders' Cup contender potentially but uh, but valiant force i'm sure he'll like they love rolling the dice the ammo team at the breeders cup oh dogs sorry my dogs are really like being <laughs> we love we love pet interruptions around here pet interruptions yes you my little one um uh valiant you know the ammo racing team they're so competitive they're so up for anything they've traveled horses to america in the past before they've left horses in america in the past before they've had breeders cup runners I just can totally see them taking up the option. What? I, shut up, dogs! Now I'm talking. Whatever, like Valiant Force does, whether he backs the form up or not, they're in. They were. They've won and they're in, as I keep saying. So I yep. can see them rolling the dice. Oh, that would be fantastic! I would love to see it. A few other points we have to follow up on here. The elite status point is really interesting because I. So I was at the. I was there that night. Uh, the the national stakes night at at Sandown. And I have to say, I wasn't, there was something about elite status that like just physically for, for a horse that was a big favorite that night, like left me cold. I wonder if that was it. I wonder if we're dealing with a horse that is just not like fully formed. That's a point to pay attention to. If this yeah. horse really fully grows into the form and grows into the body, um, could come forward a, a, a lot, I would say. So I love that as an angle to pay attention to. We, we need to talk a little bit more about uh, American Rascal, who obviously disappointed a lot of people, including me, wondering if this might be a case of, 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 of another Curlin that uh, disappoints, frankly, on the turf. I mean, for all the great horses Curlin has had, you know – you know about the the ones that run on dirt. I mean, this is a sire who's sixteen percent overall, and in turf races, especially going long, only twelve percent. It's not like they're bad, but they're not. It's just not. They're not as good. I don't know if that's what's going on with this horse. Who knows? Maybe he gets back on dirt and shows more of the brilliance that he showed on debut. I don't know what plans will be, but if, if you were mine, I would be. Despite the Lady Aurelia on the dam side, I think I'd be thinking about. Uh, I think I'd be thinking about dirt for this horse. Um, I certainly saw no excuse in the running. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to ask you specifically, it seemed like a lot of people were saying, oh, what's going on with, with, with Wesley, you know, the last couple of years, et cetera. And to me, I don't think anything's going on with Wesley. I think winning races at Royal Ascot is just really hard. Do you think there's anything more to it than that? No, I mean, look, he, he went through a place where he, you know, he had a bit of a golden spell but we see this with trainers all the time you know it's not like i don't know it happens doesn't it you've got to have the right sort of horse 
in the right sort of races. I think um, I think it was Lucky was making the point to me that you know when he when Wesley had his sort of golden period the year after it's like all his horses get overbet and now they're probably getting a bit un he he felt like they were getting a bit underbet because you know it's like are people saying that he's like lost the magic touch but I don't think there's any magic touch I think just like the way racing is so I can't like tell you how competitive the races are at Royal Ascot and things he just hasn't got the run of the green recently I don't know I'm not writing him off as not like I don't think he's lost anything I don't think anything's changed as far as I can tell I think he's bringing over a very similar sort of horse who's run similar sort of races but it's just very very competitive there's no getting away that American Rascal was disappointing yeah Let's talk for a minute about the Gold Cup, just because we have the Breeders' Cup tie-in with Yabir in here, a horse who I thought would do uh, do do a little bit better on the stretch out, and like so many of the Applebee's in the in the week, as you pointed out, just didn't end up uh, end up showing the form, but ended up with a with a with a pretty good story in this one uh, for, for sure. Oh Jesus, yeah, I mean this really like set the whole place alight completely on the third day obviously the big race the gold cup and then frankie the tory goes and wins it with a horse like courage monami who was so unexposed so so much of an unknown coming into this and yeah i mean look just watch it back for yourselves like what a moment you know what a what a run from the horse i mean for them to throw him in here um when they'd literally he'd had just those handful of starts clearly had ability but like what was he was he a great group one goal ascot gold cup winning horse you'd be a fair brave man to say that after he won at goodwood you know that was just a handicap of 98 like it's it's absolutely bonkers that they then turned around and said let's put him in a group one and not just any group one let's run him in the ascot gold cup and then he goes and wins it and he provides what it definitely was like the moment of the week from a public's point of view in Frankie de Tori winning a gold cup again at the last time that he's going to ride at the Royal meeting. I mean, you literally just couldn't, you couldn't have written it. Um, I thought it was interesting afterwards. I think, you know, in terms of the form getting away from the sort of fairy tale angle, I think the form really will stack up. I think I was talking about this to the boys recently, Coltrane in second, like he ran the race of his life, I'd say. You know, he's run an excellent race right up to standard. Subjectivist to another really good run from him, making the pace. I think that this form will look... I, I, I'm not picking any holes in this form. I think they will all just be beaten by an unexposed, better stare on the day, Courage Monomy. Um, I thought it was very interesting afterwards that... Um, John Gosden was saying that it was Thady's idea to throw him in here, you know, to take a swing. Um, obviously they had this handicap mark that they clearly knew was pretty pretty much a gift. And you could have done all sorts with that. You could have run in a variety of races, staying races, handicaps, whatever you want. And they decided to throw all of that up in the air and take the big swing in an Ascot Gold Cup. And it paid off. And I love that sort of bravery angle. We're going to give short shrift, I'm afraid, to the last couple of days. We, we've covered the win and you're in stuff, but I do want to hit on some highlights, of course, on uh, on Friday and Saturday. Perhaps we should start with uh, Tahira, who was the impressive winner. Long odds on in the coronation. We had USA Connections run very, very well here with Sounds of Heaven. Of course, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, it ends up coming over. What do you think the odds of uh, Tahira making an appearance at the Breeders' Cup are? Oh, I'd love that. I would love that. And I love this filly. You know, like there was a sense of inevitability as the bell rang when they turned into the bottom, <laughs> the bottom of the straight. Um, I, you know, I, I, like what can you say about her? She's supremely talented. And she's on her day. She's rock solid in this category. Um, but again, they're one that, you know, obviously she was beaten in the English 1000 guineas, probably fitness, ground, etc. maybe caught her out that day. We know she's a better filly than that. And she's proved it the way in which she travels, how strongly she travels, you know, that is going to stand her in such good stead wherever they decide to go, you know, that ability to travel and to come with that real, um, injection of pace as she does. I, She's a she's a top top class racehorse, but they do have to get her right. 
uh, you know, a little bit same sort of, not the same, but, you know, what I was saying about Inspiral, like, I, I think they, it takes a while for her to come right at home. And then when she's right, she's really right. But, you know, they're not going to risk running her unless she's absolutely ticking all the boxes at home. Um, so I haven't really answered your Breeders' Cup question, but I was very, like, how could you not be impressed with her? She's just the cut above in her division. For sure. And it'll be, you know, a campaign to follow. Everything's going to have to go right to get there, but it would be an amazing story. We should, we should loop back to the Albany really quick and the Porta Fortuna win. More uh, more uh, people who are very associated with us, with uh, our pals from uh, Medallion Racing and this terrific partnership with the, with the Reeveses and, and Steve Weston, who I had the chance of meeting over at Ascot as well. They, they must have just been, I, I, I mean, talk about people who were, I mean, anytime anybody wins a race at Royal Ascot, they're flying. But, you know, we give uh, extra extra credit to the, uh, to the to the USA connections as far as highlighting this on this show and I know this was a win that you were very pleased about yeah as much as much for the trainer actually as anything obviously John and Craig Bryan's first Royal Ascot win it wasn't going to take long but it's nice to get it on the board it was also nice for him that it was with the two-year-old his two-year-olds have been really far like really firing this season he's had a good time of it with his two-year-olds led by this filly who'd won her two coming into this she's been ever the professional and I actually pitched it to someone on a preview show that you know she was a bet in this race on the basis that you know I just really liked her professional nature she had the experience over a good few in here and obviously she was rematching with a couple that she's beat in the past and the, the person that was on the panel with was like oh I think you know you've got to look at the horse in second got excuses etc etc and then for her to come and just back the form up take another professional step forward she's just like she's a dream two-year-old you know if that's what you're into and that's what you're training like what a lovely filly to have on your side so game so professional so talented has won her two, comes over to Royal Ascot, wins the Albany. You know, she's just brilliant. I, lo- I love that. And, yeah, I was delighted for Donica to get on the board to join Joseph and, of course, Aidan um, to be able to do that. And that day, obviously, Joseph had a winner as well and Aidan was having such a good time of it. And, you know, it's the O'Brien, so it kind of goes overlooked. Everyone's just like, yeah, but he's an O'Brien, Donica, you know, that's going to happen. But he's his own person and he's a real gent, a really nice guy. And I was just, yeah, I was delighted for him. And I think, you know, he's a very, very, very cool customer, but you could see that it meant a lot to him. Of course. I know the Shaquille win in the Commonwealth Cup was one that uh, delighted you as well. Give you a, a second to chat about that before we move on to Saturday. Yeah, very quick. I, you know, again, just in terms of a story coming into this, you know, you, you talk about the big horses, you talk about the little big bears endlessly and the connections etc but to have new colors new training names on the list i and in shaquille you know there's no it's not an exaggeration to say that that was david taking down goliath in the closing stages of the commonwealth cup you know goliath being the coolmore operation with little big bear this big sprint news sort of three-year-old sprinting sensation you know had such good form lines coming into here not only obviously from when we last saw him but also last season as well and those incredible performances he put up last year as a two-year-old and then for him to run a solid a really good race you know I don't I don't think you'd make too many excuses for little big bear but you can make so many excuses for the winner rearing in the stalls giving away the the ground at the start of the race as a result he's like can be very tetchy he's a very quirky character and for this small yard, Julie Camacho's yard, like I interviewed Julie and her team a lot on course, but mainly at Newcastle on a Wednesday night, you know, and there they are winning a group one in the sun at Royal Ascot and beating the Coolmore team. Just absolutely brilliant. And with a horse that not only is talented, but advertises their training claims in the best possible way, because of his mind because he can be so difficult and that is no secret like we know that with him they talk about it a lot and so what a job they've done with him and now you know he he could run I think hopefully they'll run him in the July Cup he's going to be a sprinter you know he's got so much ability and the more they can tame his mind the more ability we're going to see from Shaquille makes perfect sense to me just give us one highlight from Saturday, and then we'll we'll talk a little bit of Japan. We're we're over time here. I don't want to uh, take your entire day after you've been working so hard with the all the asking and then uh, Southern Southwell yesterday. 
Absolutely, yeah. Southall Southwell, wasn't it, Jess? Um, yes, I actually will have to go very shortly. So in terms of a highlight for me on day on the final day, it would have to be pile driver. You know, coming back from nearly a year off the track, last seen here, of course, at Ascot in the King George. They've had trouble with him. He's got this amazing story. Everyone will have heard it by now, but you know, the old unsold at ten thousand as a year as a foal, I think it was. And then, you know, he's been this incredible horse for these connections. They've kept the faith. They've kept going with him. They've brought him back as an older horse now, and he wins the Hardwick. Um, there was a couple of disappointments in that race, but never mind that. Just an amazing performance from him. He pulled too hard. He weaves his way around in the closing stages. He's not an easy ride again. But again, another one for a small yard, um, a lesser trainer in terms of the real big guns we often talk about. And... What more is there going to be to come from Pile Driver? I'm sure they'll turn him around and bring him back for the King George. That's the race that I think they're targeting. But, you know, there's talk of this horse only being sort of 75, 80% fit for this race. And that was talked about beforehand by William Muir, the trainer. As in, he's just saying, you know, just so you know, like this is not, you know, we're not ready to rock and roll. He was a cut above on ratings, but he went, he didn't go off favourite because we all thought this was basically a prep run for a repeat bid in the King George at the end of July, which is the race that he won last year. So everyone's thinking he's coming back to run there, to win there. And yet he goes and takes a Hardwick on the way. Just incredible from him. And I hope this will now put him spot on for another repeat King George bid because that would just be amazing. One man's opinion here, but I thought he looked unbelievable in the paddock. Didn't look didn't he just? Carried. I yeah. would agree. We went down there. I was in the paddock for this race. Couldn't agree more, PTF. You know, all the other horses, hot, real hot. Some of them jiggy, some of them getting worked up. Now, you'd expect that. It's a muggy day. The sun's out. It's Royal Ascot. There was no, there were, you know, you weren't, you weren't saying that anybody couldn't run their race because of it. But this lad cruised around the paddock. I swear to God, he didn't have a... a dime of sweat on him did he he just was so relaxed he looked an absolute picture a credit to connections and then he goes and runs the race he runs incredible great stuff before we leave we do have to look to japan and the horse that i think is becoming recognized in many quarters as uh the fastest in the world presently that's equinox who <laughs> once again impressed thoroughly in the uh, in the Takarazuka Kinen at Hanshin on uh, on Sunday and a horse who uh I don't know. I it's hard. I mean, I know there's going to be some good Japanese uh competition at the Breeders' Cup. I don't know that we'll be lucky enough to have Equinox come over uh there. May, I don't know if they're going to think about a campaign getting back to Dubai. I haven't really heard to be honest, but this is one, if you haven't seen, you should check out because uh, it's very, very impressive. And this, this is a horse well worth uh, paying attention to, to say the least. Oh, my God. Wasn't it just Sunday morning? I was just like in recovery mode, as I say, as I still am from Royal Ascot. <laughs> and uh, everyone's, you know, like switch on the TV sort of thing and watch this. And it's just like, hang on a minute. What is that? You know, <laughs> like, hang on. <laughs> you know, we saw obviously him do it from the front in Dubai and just, you know, catch me if you can. You're not going to be able to. So best of luck to you sort of thing. Wins in a hat canter, right? And then we see him here and he's, you know, held up out the back. He has to come what? I don't think it's an exaggeration to say eight wide round the bend. Literally eight wide. He has to make like quite a significant mid-race move to get into the position that he could then sweep round the bend. Swings in eight wide and makes his run up the middle of the track just like as he likes essentially. I mean, it's he clearly didn't get the perfect spin round. I'm sure... Christoph would, if he could do it again, wouldn't have gone about winning it that way. But when you've got a horse of that ability underneath you, you can win races any which way you like, I'd say. You know, I, I think you can just, I don't know, I'd, just incredible. And, you know, where he goes next, I also don't know. Obviously, um, they're going to have, they have all the options under the sun, essentially. And I'm sure we'll hear in due course. But what a talent he is. You know, what a joy to watch. Like in terms of a racehorse over those sort of distances, they don't get more enjoyable to watch than him because he can do it any which way he likes. And that is just, he's just a freak, isn't he? He's a freak. Yeah, that kind of versatility and the, the, the in-race moves at various points. You'd think the, 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 the Japan Cup being end of November probably makes it, makes Breeders' Cup 
very, very hard. And then, you know, back in that and then back in Dubai might make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, Seven Seas has been mentioned as one potentially for the arc. And sometimes, um, you know, it would be a lot of travel. But I mean, an arc Breeders' Cup double we've we've seen before. Any other thoughts on on any of these others from uh, from Japan before we let you get out of here? To be honest with you, my main focus has literally been uh, was Equinox. I have very little else to add in terms of the Japan form. It's not actually, I don't really follow the Japanese racing very closely at all. And it's not because they don't want to. It's just purely due to brain capacity. Sure. Bandwidth, <laughs> um, the old bandwidth thing. The old bandwidth thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, you know, I mean, look, I follow the superstars and I like them when they come over, whether we're talking about racing Maidan or Saudi or the Ark, et cetera, or Breeders' Cup was brilliant, wasn't it, having them over there? And so obviously I focus in on those sort of runners. But in terms of the actual, I wouldn't know what, what Equinox beat in terms of a standard of form over there. All I know is that it was a wow performance. <laughs> yes. No, and then and, and that's backed up, uh, but that's backed up any way you slice it. And we will have much more coverage of the JRA, both in terms of previewing race nights that we can bet on in the States, but also looking ahead to Breeders' Cup. Vanessa, I've kept you far too long. Really appreciate you, and we will be talking soon. Look, thanks for having me on. It's great to, as I said at the top of the show, bask in the glory in the, of the week that was. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. We'll thank our founding partners, Ted Strike Racing, Go Looms Boldly, and, of course, the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation support their work with humans and horses over at trfinc.org slash players. Most of all, I want to thank all of you, the listeners, for making these shows so much fun to do, especially those Plus members that really supported the heck out of our expanded Royal Ascot coverage. We'll be doing more of that in future years. This show has been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos! <laughs>